Hello and welcome to Building Local Power, a podcast about how we can challenge corporate monopolies and expand the power of people to shape their own future. In this mini-series, we're taking a look back at our archive and sharing highlights from our most impactful episodes. Today, we return to an episode called Centering Racial Justice in the Anti-Monopoly Fight, which features Jeremy Greer and Solana Rice, who are the co-founders and directors of Liberation in a Generation. Liberation in a Generation is an organization dedicated to dismantling the current oppression economy and in its place, building a liberation economy where all people of color have their needs met. In a report published last year, they argue for organizers of color to be embedded and centered in the anti-monopoly fight. This episode originally aired on June 10th, 2021. The oppression economy, as we've defined it, really drives off of four kind of fundamental principles that we have to counter in order that we have to deal with in order to dismantle it. The first is that we have to end the criminalization of people of color. People of color are criminalized in this country so that they can be exploited, exploited as workers, exploited as consumers, and to drive and pull wealth out of their communities. We have to end the dual financial system. We have one financial system that builds wealth for people, another financial system that extracts wealth from people. And that we have to end that so that we're all operating under a financial system that is helping us build wealth and be prosperous in our economy. If it's not doing that, then what is it actually for? We have to curb corporate power. And this is where this conversation about monopoly comes in. And the way that we think about this, and we talk a bit about this in the report is, when you think about monopoly power, it is really just corporate power magnified and maximized, right? Like it is our, our, is our, our structures in which we govern corporations in this country that are not doing the job that allows companies like Amazon, Facebook, Purdue in the agricultural place, Verizon and telecom to have such an outsized impact on the communities and the people that they encounter. And then finally, the way to address all this is that we have to put more political power in the hands of people of color so that they can influence the governmental structures that are going to oversee all of this stuff. And what we're seeing on the liberation economy side is really the conditions that we think have to exist in order for black and brown people to really live in economic liberation. And it starts, it's also around four simple, but somehow really difficult to achieve thus far pillars. We see things like corporations wielding their power around air, right? Clean air. If, if a company has enough power locally, they can pollute as much as they want. The third pillar is that we are all compensated and valued. We don't have to say a ton here because we know over and over again that monopolies have undue power in setting wages, especially locally. If you live in a place where you have to work for Walmart or you have to work for Amazon, you are subject to whatever wages those companies are going to set. The way our economy is structured is that these outcomes are intentional and they're by design and that our racial caste system that we live with in this country was built and created at the same time 
that our economy was being built and that they reinforced one another and operate in tandem in a sort of racial capitalism that produces the outcomes that we see. And, and they do so intentionally. So when Amazon buys Ring and has this tool for surveillance and police use it in Black communities to surveil Black people and arrest Black people, that is not accidental. That is not a disparate impact. That is an intentional action that has been taken that this, that this company that can accumulate the facial recognition data and all of that is facilitating. It started to become clear that the tools of anti-monopoly and antitrust that are typically meant to rein in corporate power were not necessarily reaching into racial equity issues. And they weren't being framed in a way that, I don't know, as a Black person, like I understood what my benefit would be <laughs> if we really pursued antitrust and anti-monopoly tools. We really argue for broadening the definition of anti-monopoly because right now, and, and the reason why it's been narrowed in that way is intentional. And it, it is it is purposeful. It is to protect the firms, not to pro- actually, in our belief, to protect all of the people that are impacted by monopoly. It also means that we can't use antitrust as a tool to address workers fully. It doesn't talk about the way that, that corporations avoid taxes and don't pay their fair share around what they pull out of communities. You know, companies ride, drive trucks on roads that they're basically not paying for and get to use free of charge and aren't even paying for it through the taxes that they pay. So the definition as it's defined is far too narrow for us to be able to have full accounting for the ways in which these large corporations, this corporate consolidation is impacting communities of color. And and I think one of the ways to get there is through a racial equity lens. If we are to redefine the role of corporations in our democracy, in our economy, what role do we want? And how do we measure that we're moving it towards some kind of balance of power in the short term? Frederick Douglass said, no republic is safe that tolerates a privileged class or denies to any citizens equal rights and equal means to maintain them. Join the movement to center racial justice and anti-monopoly work. If you liked what you heard today, find Building Local Power on your favorite podcast platform to listen to our full episode. You can also check out Liberation in a Generation's new podcast, which is called Racism is Profitable.